a good conversation to have, you know, in, in which ceremony. Um, so all of those things were really foundational for me. And I took that experience and leveraged it to get a junior scrum master role with another company where I was actually working with software developers and just really cut my teeth uh, working with them and trying different things and experimenting and learning myself as I was going. Hi, and welcome to the Scrum Master Careers podcast. My name is Simon, and I'm a freelance Scrum Master on a mission. I want to help you have the best career possible. Is your goal to become a Scrum Master, get better as a Scrum Master, or stop being a Scrum Master and look for a new challenge? Then you have come to the right place. In my podcast, successful Scrum Masters share their stories. Some have started right out of college, others as experienced software developers, and others came from completely different fields. Want to know how they did it? Then keep on listening. Welcome to the Scrum Master Careers podcast. Today I am thrilled to have Jessica Barr with me. She's a seasoned Agile leader, currently serving as a senior Scrum Master at Charles Schwab and an Agile mentor at Mentor Cruise. With a rich career spanning nearly two decades, Jessica has championed Agile transformations, led international teams, made significant contributions in the realm of scaled Agile thought leadership. She's known for her strategic thinking and her ability to foster self-organizing teams that deliver business results faster and better. But her career didn't start at all in Agile or in anything remotely tech. And that's why I'm very happy to have her on the show. So let's dive into your journey and hear from your experiences. Welcome to the show, Jessica. Thank you, Simon. It's great to be here. Thank you. Before we get started, um, where in the world are you? And how would you describe yourself in like one or two sentences? Sure. Uh, I live in Austin, Texas, uh, which is a growing tech hub suddenly in the last 10 years. Um, I describe myself as a human in a technological world. Uh, trying to navigate human realities while also building uh, the next level of products that we're going to use as a society. So. Sounds very nice. So you're all for the betterment of uh, humankind. And mm -hmm. how did you start? Because I know, I think you studied politics and religion. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. So in college, I double majored in psychology and religion. I had previously previously um, studied political science uh, and then decided that was not for me. <laughs> uh, so I, I transitioned to psychology and religion, which uh, always raised eyebrows anytime anyone <laughs> would hear me say that that was my direction. For, what, how does that work? <laughs> yeah, for example, me, when I read your profile, like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> what, yeah, what was your interest? Why, why did you choose those two subjects? Well, you know, I think that there was a deep desire to introspect and to understand who I am as a human. And, you know, from a young age, the question had continuously come up in my mind. Why are people doing the things that they do? <laughs> why why are they making these decisions? And 
And how can I understand and better interact with that? How can I place myself in a better position around other people so that I'm able to influence or I'm able to just survive the situation, uh, not burn bridges? So psychology was psychology was one of those uh, one of those avenues. And religion uh, is something that's near and dear to my heart. So I am a pastor's kid. I grew up in the church, uh, Southern Baptist specifically. And, um, you know, in college, I just started getting more interested in the way other people experience spirituality. And uh, I saw so many parallels. And, you know, I started really just appreciating different aspects of faith as it is uh, observed around the world um, and, and finding a lot of commonalities. And so for me, religion was kind of an obvious step based on my background and interest. Um, and, and so I, I, I consider myself non-denominational. I do not have a specific faith. Um, I am a child of all faiths. Uh, and I find beauty in, in all of the ways that humans try to express and understand uh, the reality that we all find all ourselves right. in day to day. Do, do you believe in Agile? Uh, if I had a religion, Agile would be my religion. <laughs> <laughs> and now is it Scrum I just or find it so incredibly useful. So yes. <laughs> No, true that. I so, just find it so incredibly useful. <laughs> sometimes people pick a certain um, study in university to get a certain job. And at other times people choose just because it's their interest. What was it for you? I think it was my interest if I had to land on one side or the other. Um, I And honestly, I stopped pursuing those avenues, mainly because I had a reality check that I need to be able to survive and make money and okay. <laughs> support a family. And <laughs> I need to start thinking practically. But interestingly enough, both of those paths, the psychology and the religion, have been so fundamentally useful as I work with humans in systems and try to empathize and understand, you know, who who is the identity that's sitting here in front of me that I'm talking to, that I'm trying to influence, that I'm trying to help guide, that I'm trying to coach, um, and and what are the underlying beliefs that they have that might lead them to the decisions that they make, right? Yeah. And how can I understand that about them? Do you have a concrete example of maybe working with teams and where, where this becomes very useful? Well, I mean, I think, you know, given the global um, interest that I have in world religions, you know, I'm working with lots of different people across the globe. There are, uh, in my own office, there are people that um, are from India, from China, um, from what what they refer to as Persia, although I'm not sure I specifically know which country that is. <laughs> But I have a lot of um, experience with multicultural um, co-workers. I also grew up down uh, very close to Mexico. So as I was growing up, there were lots of Hispanic influence in my life. So um, 
I really feel like just my day-to-day conversations, I approach with a, a different level of wanting to understand and empathy. Um, and so, you know, I think uh, it helps, you know, when you're interacting with someone who's observing a holiday that you you don't celebrate or, you know, just building a relationship with someone that says, I see you as a person and not just a, a resource in this mm-hmm. system. And that tends to increase their trust in me and reduce the resistance that we might feel with each other because I'm able to, you know, come to them at that human level. Very interesting point. Um, This is something I wanted to talk to you about later, but now that you mentioned it, (laughs) um, what's your, what's your secret sauce in affecting change with your teams or individuals? You know, I, I think the first thing is building relationship and building trust. Fully agree. Because those two things um, make everything that comes after easier. Mm-hmm. We all kind of have this innate understanding that, you know, it's not what you know, it's who you know. Well, that's true on so many different levels, not just, you know, career opportunity. Um, it really does make a difference when you're trying to work on a team and trying to get things done in the in the tactical day-to-day, if I have a problem working with this other person, then it is going to be very difficult for us to together promote quality and um, retrospect to improve because we're always going to have this friction between us. Um, And it's going to just make everything harder. And so my secret sauce is first getting to know people understanding what their pain points are, what their needs are, um, and then having an opt-in approach. So anything that I share with my teams as far as suggestions or recommendations or ideas for how we might take our next step um, is is an opt-in thing. It's only ever a recommendation. Mm. And I tell them that have three, three responses to any request. Yes, no, or negotiate. <laughs> and so I absolutely live that every time uh, I'm interacting and helping a team to work through. And I think that that makes it easier for us to work together. No, absolutely agreed. Have you ever encountered the situation where you try to build a relationship, you think you build up a relationship, but then at a certain point you realize people were either just playing you or were just, you know, providing lip service. And you're like, what just happened? Have you have you experienced that? Yes, yes, I have. I do. Um, I do experience that, and there is a certain amount of letting go as well yeah. that I feel I've had to do, um, and knowing that I can always bring my best self to the situation, uh, but I cannot make decisions for that yeah. other person. Ultimately, the accountability and responsibility for how they show up is not on me. And so what I need to do is make sure that I am not a source of friction, that I am not a source of resistance. Um, And over time, there have been plenty of relationships recovered or understanding the root cause of some, you know, issue that we were having. But, you know, I, I also 
you know, it, it's like this serenity prayer. <laughs> Grant me the, um, you know, the ability to just know when I can influence and when I can't and be okay with that. And of course I'm paraphrasing, but, okay, um, so but that is, you know, it's a matter of letting go. I, I can't no. make anyone do anything. It's basically change what you can change and let go what you cannot change. Yes. No, true that. And it, and and navigate forward without creating too big of a wake, <laughs> especially in those moments. No. Yeah, that's sometimes a bit difficult, I find, because yeah. you're like, God damn it, I tried my best. I was open. I shared <laughs> sincere feelings and thoughts with you. Why didn't you tell me before, like, oh, hey, Simon, I don't want these talks. Um, I'm just providing lip service. Obviously, no one says that, but um, I, I would have wished at times that people tell me that in advance. Luckily, uh, these these encounters are very rare. Um, before, when you mentioned um, the, the part about building relationships, it reminded me of a time when I was in a Turkish bazaar when I was like 10 years old. It was like in on this fake um fake brand markets um and i was looking at a levi's what was Levi's? no diesel pullover um and i remember speaking to the guy with the help of my mom i guess in uh, english and he said i want to become friends first before i treat you as a customer or before i sell something to you um and back then i thought he's just tricking me he just you know wants me to feel good and then I pay more money or so. And I thought it's better to be like a, not an enemy, but more distant to, to that person. And meanwhile, I understand if you don't like the other person, you don't want to interact. You don't want to do business with that person. It's so important. Yeah. Um, yeah. So if, if the person from the bazaar is listening to this, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Super interesting. We, we uh, strayed a little bit from the topic of Scrum Mastery, um, but we had a very thorough introduction into your background, which is usually what I start with. How do you get started? Can you quickly give us, I don't know, in, in one or two sentences or one minute, um, your journey into your first Scrum Master role, and then we'll wrap up this first episode and continue with the next one. Sounds great. Uh, so my journey was... Uh, I left college, uh, got, uh, I had been working at a hotel. Uh, so I just kind of worked my way up the ranks to be assistant manager there, realized that that was not the career for me. I, uh, was hired as a support technician at a data aggregation and processing company. Um, so I was there, uh, for 11 years and worked my way up through the first through fourth levels of technical support and became an account operations manager and had 20 plus global accounts uh, that I was managing and I was a people manager as well. And at that time, that company was going through many rounds of layoffs and I was reading the terrain and I knew that I needed to do something to kind of protect my future. And I had heard other people in my organization going and getting a scrum master certification and um, I knew a couple of people personally that had gone that path. I knew another person who had gone down the professional coaching path and just started talking to them and kind of understanding what, what that role was, uh, what their life looked like. 
And it really sounded interesting. In fact, I told someone later that Agile, that what I have understood about Agile is really giving me what I wanted out of my psychology major at Baylor. It really gives me the ability to, you know, talk and, and help guide people to shift paradigms and understand the opportunities that are in front of them. So I got my first certification in June of 2018 and uh, didn't have a scrum team, but I did have a team and we were working on things that were being discovered as we were working on them. And so it seemed like a really good fit to just kind of experiment with scrum. And my team trusted me because I, again, had built that trust up to begin with. And they said, yeah, sure, let's try it. And um, <clears throat> we did. I tried that for about six months with them. It was really helpful. We learned, I learned a lot just about, you know, practical application, how the scrum ceremonies uh, connect to each other, you know, what's a good conversation to have, you know, in, in which ceremony. Um, so all of those things were really foundational for me. And I took that experience and leveraged it to get a junior Scrum Master role with another company where I was actually working with software developers and just really cut my teeth uh, working with them and trying different things and experimenting and learning myself as I was going. Um, and I've learned a lot. <laughs> but it I took that like... experience then. I was, yes. <laughs> I, I took that experience and then uh, moved over into Schwab, where I am now, and it has been it, just every every opportunity I have, I learn about myself, about the industry, about people, about systems. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of the short. <laughs> if the that could be considered a short answer, <laughs> <laughs> slightly longer than a minute, but it's okay because it was super interesting. Um, so what I get from this episode is you can start by studying religion and psychology and still become a scrum master. Um, yes. You had a very interesting path from what I heard um, with emotional ups and downs and learning a lot about yourself yes. and about other teams and, and how people work. So I am very excited to join, uh, to have you join actually <laughs> uh, in the second episode. We will take a short break here. And be right back. Thank you, Jessica. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast. If you got value out of this episode, please share it with other Scrum Masters. If you have feedback for me, or if you want to recommend a guest for my show, please let me know via www.scrummastercareers.com. My name is Simon, and this was the Scrum Master Careers Podcast. See you in the next episode.